From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Big Story Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. I'm Jason Dick, Roll Call's leadership and enterprise editor, and I'm joined by Walter Shapiro, Roll Call columnist and extraordinary eminence grease of, uh, of uh, politics and uh, the observation over several years. Walter, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, well, with a uh, buildup like that, how <laughs> could I resist? So... I mean, there is so much to talk about in Washington. It seems like it's hard to take a, a breath without getting some new infusion of big news, whether it's Roy Moore and the special election in Alabama or tax reform going on on the Hill or Donald Trump returning from Asia. Let's focus a little bit, though, on on go a little bit deeper on tax reform, because it does actually in, entail a lot of these things and specifically about the politics that we're seeing in tax reform. We've got the House getting ready to vote on the tax bill tomorrow, uh, Thursday, we have uh, the Senate Finance Committee considering their version of the tax bill. And there's two very different approaches going on. Different people are opposed to different portions of it. And it's not the same kind of politics we've seen in healthcare. What's Let's start with the House. Uh, you are, uh, you know, you're very familiar with the northeastern part of the of the country, being a denizen there and a, and a, and a teacher and a, and a and a columnist for us, uh, what's why are so many Northeastern Republicans upset about their version of the tax bill? For the simple reason that for the first time, the sacred state and local tax deduction is being challenged. In the House bill, it is limited to 10, now would be limited to $10,000 in property tax deductions. In the Senate bill, there is no deduction at all. What this means is in high state tax states, this will be a major hike in everyone who itemizes federal income tax. And where it gets interesting in the House is that I believe last I looked of among the vulnerable Republican members of Congress, I think there were 14 in total from the three highest tax states, California, New York, and New Jersey. The Senate is really happy with this provision because there <laughs> is no Republican senator, right. uh, even those on the ballot not until 2022, who represents a high tax state. Right. So we have, uh, you know, Lee Zeldin, who's a who's a congressman from Long Island, and Peter T. King, who's also a Long Island Republican. And these guys, their their constituents, they pay uh, a, a fairly high state income tax in New York. They their property taxes are very high uh, because the you know the the I mean some of it is the crazy checkerboard that makes up Long Island and and particularly Nassau and Suffolk County and so forth. But this is the this is predominantly a feature of places like New York and New Jersey and to, a, and to a certain extent, California. And those are the people who make up the difference in the majority and minority in the House, exactly. as, as you stated. I understand why it's a big way of raising revenue in the tax bill. So I understand the appeal. But I can think of nothing more likely to jeopardize the Republican House majority in 2018 than passing this legislation. Last, last Thursday, uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin spoke to the New York Economic Club. I heard from two friends of mine who were at the event, and all the side talk was among leading Republican fundraisers who say if this goes through, they won't... The 
congressional Republicans will not get a penny out of New York and New Jersey, and in this case, Connecticut, which is another high state, a full Democratic um, a congressional representation, but the hedge fund billionaires in Greenwich are also watching this very closely. There's also the issue, I mean, a lot of these Republicans in particular from, from states like New York and, and they, they and New Jersey, they point out that their states are actually paying a disproportionate amount into the federal treasury, even with the state and local tax deductions that their, that their constituents take. So they are so-called donor states, and they're contributing, in, uh, like a, a, they get 70 cents or so back on the dollar for return to them for every dollar that they pay in federal taxes, whereas places like, uh, I don't say Alabama or or Texas or, or places Alaska. like that, or Alaska are getting a significant return for every dollar they pay. They're getting several, you know, in some in some cases, several dollars back. So there's a there's a fairness. There's there there are possible tax increases for those people in, in New York, New Jersey, and then there's also the the basic fairness of being a donor or donee state. Donee is such a strange word, but we'll use it. Yeah, uh, there is the Repu- the conservative Republican argument that these states by having high taxes, have bloated bureaucracies, they don't spend money efficiently, and why is the federal government subsidizing it? I think that's a pretty weak argument. I think this is um, like targeting university endowments. It's a tax bill saying, how many clever ways can we get at the Democrats? In the Senate, as as you said, stated, there are no. So we have all these Republicans who make up, you know, really they're the difference in the majority in places like New York, New Jersey, and California. However, New York, New Jersey, California—that's six Democratic senators. Uh, th- there are no, there are no yeah. senators. New you know, Jersey, right. all Democrat, yeah, <laughs> right. Democratic, right. And then you get high uh, p- representatives, House members, who are high property tax areas because they're affluent. The most easy example is Barbara Comstock in Northern Virginia, where the Another deductibility of property taxes um, in a area where your median house, I'm just taking a guess, certainly is above a half a million, um, is very important. In addition, the Republicans, for the first time in history, are going to battle on a tax bill opposed by the National Association of Realtors and, I believe, the home builders. These are not not groups that are normally at odds with Republican pro-business legislation. Right. If we, you know, if we had seen the leadership conference on civil rights come out against the tax bill, we wouldn't have thought any anything of it, you know, necessarily, yeah. uh, because that's a Democratic constituency and so forth. But you're right. The realtors <laughs> and we have a you know, we have we have some realtors in Congress. Senator Johnny Isaacson from Georgia is a realtor. I would I would guess that his his former, uh, you know, sort of realtor friends and colleagues might put some pressure on him. But it looks like the Republicans, they they can get this over the finish line, it looks like. I mean, now, that being said, that was sort of, the you know, a lot of the thinking as of uh, 10 o'clock last night. And then we got the news that they were going to look to repeal the individual mandate this to purchase health great, insurance. This is the great Senate idea. Because what it does is it does f- free up... I think the the CBO estimate is $338 billion, which can then allow them to make the corporate tax uh, decrease permanent and increase the child care credit in the Senate. To $2,000, so yeah. the current $1,000. But the point is that 
politically. Therefore, the Republicans would then go into business, into battle, opposed not only by the realtors, but by the American Medical Association. <laughs> not exactly another left-wing lobbying group. And so what you have is this weird politics of the Republicans may prevail with it, but the point is that this is about as divisive as it can possibly be with real long-term negative implications for the Republicans in the 2018 campaign. And the current campaign, when we've got, you know, Dean Heller is, is arguably the most uh, vulnerable Senate Republican. Nevada um, is is again a low a low tax state. They they do not have a state income tax. They so he doesn't have as much incentive <laughs> to yeah. uh, to go to uh, to to vote against this. Uh, the other senators, you know, that that Lisa Murkowski, who's one of the no votes when they tried to repeal the Affordable Care Act over the summer, they've uh, given her uh, a little bit uh, to to chew on because there is a a provision that would allow drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. So she has some skin in the game to to stay in. So it it looks like they're getting close, but the consequences, as you said, I mean, it, this is so divisive. And we saw, you know, elections turn last week in New Jersey and in Virginia, where exit polling indicated people were voting because of health care and so forth. This could ten- potentially tip the scales from what might be a tight election to, to possibly putting even more seats in play. There's one other thing is for all the republic of spin that operates in Washington, the whole idea that you can spin anything. The thing about what is advertised by Paul Ryan as the great middle-class tax cut, you can't spin that for long. Either people are going to feel richer in their withholding schedules for 2018, or they won't. Either people are going to be quite happy to continue to get a refund, in April of 2019 when they go to H&R Block or they won't. No matter how many TV commercials you put out there, no matter how much spin you put out, this is going to be measured by how the voters feel about their own pocketbooks. And the more shell games you play, the fewer voters are going to feel happy about the legislation. And the thing that is is just sort of striking, too, about this Senate play on, on the individual mandate is that the House has not included this in, in their legislation, in their tax legislation. So we may end up you know, getting this very ugly conference between the House and Senate, assuming the Senate passes it in this form, in which these these things kind of keep on being laid bare right in the middle of a time when they're about the government funding is about to expire after Thanksgiving. <laughs> and there is, of course, another date. December 12th, the Alabama special election. While all predictions about that election have the shelf life of about 27 minutes. <laughs> Caveat em to um, our audience, listeners. That said, it is very easy to come up with scenarios by which Doug Jones, the Democrat, wins against the, to put it politely, the tarnished Roy Moore. <laughs> uh, and suddenly, Mitch McConnell's Senate majority is down to 51-49, which really leaves very little room for maneuver, particularly with possible absences of ailing senators like John McCain and Thad Cochran. 
you know, uh, and, as and well as the weird, unexpected things of life, like that, uh, like Rand Paul suddenly being out of commission for a while because of his dispute with his neighbor. And one more sort of thing to add on there is if if Luther Strange, who's the current appointed senator from Alabama, does jump in as a write-in candidate, he would probably be campaigning <laughs> during some of the toughest votes after they come back from Thanksgiving in thoughts that he might be able to win. So it's, uh, I mean, the big story, this is the big story part of the Big Story podcast, is that the politics are as volatile maybe as we've seen them in a long time. Absolutely. And we haven't even mentioned the word Donald Trump, <laughs> because if Trump's history with health care is repeated with taxes, just when there is some sort of House-Senate conference agreement, there's a 50% chance that Trump will tweet something that totally repudiates its central provisions. If you're depending on a complicated deal, given his record in the White House, I wouldn't exactly call Donald Trump the closer. It'll be something really to watch in the next couple of weeks. Walter, thank you so much for, thank for you, coming Jason. to the uh, Big Story podcast. It's always a pleasure to, to talk to you. And, and I feel like we could go on and on, but uh, we'll have as to— As Congress will. As, as Congress will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And for more, more on this and other stories, please visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow and at RollCall. Thanks for listening.